Face podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 64 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Bill, at Super Duperflex. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing good, brother. How are you? Uh, happy to uh, get back to chatting some fantasy football. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. And uh, the only thing that can make the feeling better is having a great guest, which we do this week. We got Jacob at jsnake underscore DFF. Jacob, how you doing, man? I'm good. Happy to talk some football. Also some uh, potentially fast food stuff, too, maybe coming on. I don't know. I'm excited. I, I, I mean, that's what happens. I, I, you know, I go out there. I say, hey, uh, if you got any questions, shoot them our way. And I'm expecting to, you know. Uh, who, who's the running back you want to get in the eighth round of a startup or, you know, would you make this trade? And, uh, we get, uh, we get a question about fast food and <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to eat. So it's right in my wheelhouse and I'm quite fine with it. So, uh, so we're going to get there and we're going to get to a lot of, a uh, lot of other interesting things. So, uh, yeah, this is some of the stuff we saw on the timeline and obviously we talked about it. This is from, Paul Becerra at Paul underscore Ryan 15. What are y'all's top three favorite fast food items? And uh, Bill said he had his homework done before this even started. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, so Bill, what is your top three in any order? Yeah. So it did take a little bit of time. It took a little talking it out and, so, like, if I could only have three items from fast food joint ever, uh, I think it would be McDonald's French fries. Mm-hmm. I think it would be the Wendy's Double. Oh. And then the third one, and because of COVID, at least I am aware that they do not make this, but I love the seven-layer burrito from Taco Bell. They're not making it because of COVID. What is there a reasoning behind that? I don't know if it's just mine locally, but like, like a lot of the Taco Bells have limited their menus just for ease okay. of prep, preparing food, I guess. So, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, I don't know if they've completely removed it or if it was just for COVID. So, okay. All yeah. right, cool. So, I think I think you got three really solid choices there. Three things that I know I've partaken of on more than one occasion. So. Uh, <laughs> Jacob, we'll throw it to you. What's your top three? All right. So the first one is a Nutella milkshake. There's a local-ish 
uh, burger place called P. Terry's in Austin that that has a Nutella milkshake, really, really good. Chick-fil-A fries. I've always had a soft spot for Chick-fil-A fries. I know people are rolling their eyes, but they're not that good. No, soft spot, solid in my opinion. And then honestly, just like a double-double from In-N-Out with that In-N-Out sauce on it, and then get an extra packet just to make it a little bit extra wet. There we go. We're good to go. And it's a... Unfortunately, I can't comment on two of the three things that you you talked about because I I've uh, I have neither been to Texas or f- as far out west to get to an In and Out. So uh, I I will take your word, and if I'm ever in either area, I'm getting both of those things because uh, I'm going to try it at least once. So hey, uh, just come down to Austin. We got both. Good time. Well, there you go. I mean, if you're inviting me, you know, <laughs> hop on a flight right now. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, man, uh, Chick-fil-A fries, people that disparage that, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Those fries are elite. Um, I probably only have them behind McDonald's fries, which uh, Bill already listed. So, uh, And both, by the way, I don't know if you guys do this, but if you dip them in their respective barbecue sauces, that's uh, a chef's kiss right there. So uh, if that that's, you know... That's a life hack if you haven't already figured it out. All right, so uh, my first one, I'm, I'm going back to Chick-fil-A, the Nuggets. I mean, the, it, you can't beat those Nuggets. I don't care where you go. I don't care what you say. Those Nuggets are the best of the best. Uh, I'm going to go over to Popeye's now, and I'm going to pick me up a chicken sandwich from Popeye's. I mean, when they first came out, the hype was out there. You couldn't buy them anywhere, and I finally got my hands on one. People said they were better than Chick-fil-A. I didn't believe it, and then I had one, and I, I fell in with the crowd. It, the, I mean, the 101 of chicken sandwiches. And then I'm going to go to Sonic. Sonic has a barbecue bacon cheeseburger on two pieces of Texas toast that is just, I mean – can't beat it. Can't beat it. So uh, that's my three. I went very chicken heavy. I did not. Uh, I did not include a French fry because you guys uh, covered the French fry front pretty well, and I also did not get a drink. Uh, so obviously, I will have to come to Austin and get me uh, a Nutella shake so that I can uh, wash all this food down. So, uh, so Paul, um, I hope you. I hope you like our top threes. Uh, if you, if you listen to it and you, uh, you want to throw your three in on Twitter later on, we could, uh, we could check it out and see, uh, see how it stacks up, but, uh, we're going to move this one now. Um, we're going to move on to our next one from what Gibbs at what underscore, or I'm sorry, at what Gibbs HTTR top dynasty wide receivers for me right now. So, uh. One through ten, I'm just going to read them off real quick. He's got Devontae, Tyreek Hill, Hopkins, Ridley, Diggs, A.J. Brown, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, D.K. Metcalf, Keenan Allen. So that's his top ten. Um, Jacob, we'll start with you first. Where, where do you agree with his list? Where do you disagree with his list? Yeah, so I, I agree with Devontae Adams at number one. That, to me, is something I agree with. I know some people have tried to throw other people up at number one. Uh, with disagreeing, for me, Justin Jefferson is just way too low with what he did his rookie season. 
Uh, I don't see situation changing a ton. And he just – he played out of this world, honestly, for a rookie. And that was even with the first couple of weeks, him not doing anything. So he had a crazy awesome season. And I think he, for me, is is wide receiver four right now. So he's he's quite a bit up there, which is – you may not think that's that much different, but that's still about a round and a half to two rounds of ADP. So it's a good bit. Yeah, for sure, because if you're talking about uh, – if you're talking about – wide receiver four to wide receiver eight, you're probably looking at the middle to back end of round one going to probably eight is probably the back end of round two. So uh, yeah, you're, you're talking about, you know, maybe 18 spots in a, uh, in a 12 team league, depending on, you know, how the, how the draft goes, but uh, all right, Bill, um, where's your agreement? Where's your disagreement? Um, I mean, I kind of agree with pretty much the whole order um with i mean the only one that really i guess surprised me was ridley being so early um so that would be i guess my i would agree with most of it uh disagree uh calvin ridley i think i think he needs to be a little lower i'm just not totally sold that he's going to be this high volume guy um and i'm also a little surprised that like i kind of think that i need to put cd lamb in there somewhere um so but i'm just looking at this list i'm not sure who i take out so it's like one of these things where there's just more guys than uh spots for a top 10 so but i think that there's uh, Jacob and I were talking beforehand a little bit that there's this uh, just huge tier that you could argue, and um, but CD would be at the top of of that for me. For sure, and uh, Bill, I'm glad you brought up the name because I know if I had brought up the name, the uh, the homerism and the fandom would have been you know been cast upon me. So I'm glad I uh, I don't have to say the name because you did. But um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, Bill. I'm looking at the top two here with Devonte and Tyreek. I'm in full agreement. I do think Calvin Ridley's too high. The guy I would move up to three is Stephon Diggs, and this is coming from a guy that was, you know, I love Stephon Diggs the talent, but I hated Stephon Diggs the inconsistency on a week to week basis. And I think the change of scenery moving to Buffalo kind of being the top dog, the alpha, uh, not only unlocked full Stefan Diggs, but I think it also unlocked full Josh Allen. And I don't see that changing too much, uh, going into 2021 and beyond. I mean, you're always going to have your, your good secondary players, your John Browns, your Cole Beasley's there, but, uh, uh, that's obviously Stefan Diggs' show, so I think I would uh, I would move him up to number three, and uh, yeah, I would move Calvin Ridley down a little bit. I mean, again, love the talent, but I think he's going to be capped as long as Julio's around, which could still be you know this year and maybe one more. Which you know, I like to play dynasty in kind of three year windows. So if two out of those three years are occupied with Julio still being there, kind of. It drops me a little on Calvin. Um, yeah, I mean, 
little concerned about Michael Thomas with the QB change, but, you know, that could be just, you know, Sean Payton takes the offseason to figure out how he's going to use either Taysom Hill or possibly re-signing Jameis, and, you know, all those fears are for nothing. And I'm with you. I, w- I would try to bring CeeDee Lamb up there somehow, some way. Um, don't know who I would bump out, though, because I love Keenan Allen, so bumping him out of the top 10 would would hurt me personally to do it. So, all right, guys, that, that was a good one. That was a good discussion. Um, you guys are just spent fire already. So uh, I know it's going to be a good one. So this, this is from um, our brother, uh, our boss, the guy who signs the checks at that network uh, dynasty outhouse at dynasty outhouse uh, 12 team super flex PPR uh, Alvin Kamar or the one Oh one. And uh, before I give the percentages, I want to hear uh, some, some talking. So, Bill, is it uh, is it Alvin or is it the 101? Uh, it's the 101 for me. I think that um, you know just the the value. I think you're the best time to have moved Kamara would have been in this last season. Uh, you know, to a team that was a contender. If you uh, if you didn't necessarily need him, I don't don't think his value will be any greater than it was at that point. Um, so with that being said, I think the 101, just the versatility of it, I could trade it for another person, you know, another player that I prefer, or I hold on to it um, and move back in the draft, or I just take who I feel is the best player in the draft. Um, you know, there's just so many more options with that pick. And, you know, we all know what happens going into the rookie draft and the value of that pick. And we know the hype for uh, Trevor Lawrence and, you know, there's just so many things that, at least for me, um, and this time of year, and that's why everybody says to trade for picks, you know, and a lot of people don't like to do it. Um, that's exactly why. Just just the more the greater opportunities, whereas you got to find somebody specific for Kamara. And he might be great this next year, but um, as mentioned earlier, you know, we don't really know what's happening there. You know, Breeze doesn't come back. You know, maybe they do go with Taysom Hill. Does Taysom Hill end up, um, you know, just like we saw, he wasn't really dumping it off to Kamara too much. So, like, maybe that changes if, you know, he gets some reps with them. You know, who knows? Um, but there's just some unknowns that I'm not comfortable with, and I would just rather take the pick. All right, Jacob. Kamara or the 101? And I always like it when I can uh, disagree with Bill, but right here I, I do have to agree. And uh, I'm on the 1.01 as well. And when I first saw this trade poll, though, I was like, this is Kamara, like easy. And then I started thinking a little bit more, uh, like what Bill said related to the picks. And also just thinking about like where I have players ranked in general. Like, would I want Trevor Lawrence or like Russell Wilson? And I think there's a pretty good argument for Trevor Lawrence over Russell Wilson just based on potential upside. And if I want Russell Wilson over Kamara, then I should want the 1.01. And then, like Bill said, three like there's tons of different things you can do with that pick. And honestly, it's just it gives you more flexibility. And in my opinion, it gives you the better player if you decide to draft. All right. So I love it when I can disagree with Bill, too, because that's, I think, when some of our best podcasting happens. It ain't going to be here, though. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make it three for three. It's going to be the 101. Um, I, I like in the 101 this year 
similarly to when Saquon came out. Like, we all know it's Trevor Lawrence. It's been Trevor Lawrence since our 2020 drafts were over. And that that pick is just going to, if you can get it off of people, and I would love to see 101 trade. So at Fantasy Timeline, if you got, if you traded or traded for the 101, tell me what you gave up. Because, I mean, I do not have the privilege in any of my leagues so far. Startups could be different, but so far to have the 101. But I got to imagine it's going to take a haul to convince somebody to get off of Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, at that point, that's probably going to be whatever haul you get is probably going to be worth more than Alvin Kamara. So um, I'm going to go for the 101 as well. And every day that we tick closer to the NFL draft, we're just getting that value is just going up and up and up. And I mean, it's funny. I had a, um, I had someone send me a trade offer today, uh, drew lock for my two Oh five. And that was like an instant reject because I was like, this 205, by the time I get to the draft, is going to hold so much more value than Drew Locke will. And the guy came back to me and he said, well, you're, you know, kind of light on quarterback. I, I had Philip Rivers retire on me. And, and I was like, yeah, like I get that. But like Drew Locke may not even be the starting quarterback in Denver, you know, this coming year. He might. Now, I'm not saying he won't be, but. You know, they pick at nine. You know, there are, it seems like every quarterback is on the trade market right now. You know, so go ahead, Bill. I was just going to say that's an interesting trade off for like just tangenting off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of like, I think that's like value. I'm not necessarily sure. You know what I mean? Like all those like questionable quarterbacks, that's kind of like where I think you might be able to get somebody you know with that so like it's interesting like i mean i get i want you obviously know that i agree (laughs) with that denial of course but um you know it's like okay well what other guys are are similar to him like in the situation is darnold that far down now like is you know like i don't know who else i'm trying to think of i mean even like wentz potentially with his question marks correct yeah so and that's the thing, and that, that's why I usually, this is not a hard and fast rule, but this is a usually for me, I like to keep those picks until I can get as close as humanly possible to that draft because every day that value just goes. And you know what? During the draft, like you, like, like you guys said, a Wentz could become available or Sam Darnold, they don't draft anyone, they don't pick up anyone in free agency, and you know, you're just trying to figure out, okay, like, is he going to mesh in this new offense? You know, they're probably going to draft, you know, some playmakers around him. You know, can, can he mesh with these guys? He's only had like Jamison Crowder and Brashad Perriman his whole career. So, you know, it, it's that those are situations where I don't mind going on the clock at two Oh five and seeing if, you know, someone will throw a Carson Wentz at me or throw a, you know, one of those guys. And if not, you know, depending on how the draft goes, you, you might see a Mac Jones there, you know, where it's like, Ooh. all right, like, let me let me take the rook and see what, what's happening. And, you know, I'm surprised I didn't get a who from Bill on that one. But uh, I thought you did. He, he hit you with it. Oh, I didn't hear it. Oh, man. 
Mac Jones. This is gonna be so much fun all year. Um, so you know, I would I would actually rather go that route if possible. Uh, you know, instead of Drew Locke. But yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But going back to the original question, yeah, I think the one on one at the end of the day, by the time you get to draft day, whenever your draft is, that one on one is going to just have an insane amount of value. And just did you mention what the poll results were? No, I didn't. I was gonna I was gonna hit that up. Um, we uh, the community agreed with us, but just slightly. It was a fifty-two point eight to forty-seven point two, so as close to a fifty-fifty as you can get on uh, on the Twitter machine. So, so there's some opportunity there. Yeah, and and that's right now. I mean, we're talking January twenty seventh. The Senior Bowl hasn't happened. No pro days have happened. Obviously, there's no combine this year, you know. But you know. Once Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, you know, runs a 37-yard dash at like 4-4-3, you know, we're all going to be like, and he runs fast too, you know, and, you know. Like we didn't know this. (laughs) You know, but, uh, yeah. Let's double count it. Hey, listen. Here's where a cynical bill comes out during draft season, so. But here's the thing. It's going to be so tough to even be able to single count some of these things that we're going to get out of pro days because obviously, you know, different fields run differently. Guys are going to be faster on certain, and you know, and I like, you know, I made the joke that Trevor Lawrence is going to run a 37 yard dash and get clocked and he's going to be faster than we thought he was. Oh my God. You know, and you know, he's going to jump and we're going to add two more inches to the vert just to, you know, just to really, so it's gonna it's gonna be fun, but yeah, talking about double counting, I think people are gonna have trouble just single counting certain things because it's gonna be uh, more misinformation than we're used to in a normal season. All right, so um, we're gonna move on to the next one, and uh, Jacob, you actually retweeted this one, so uh, so we pulled it. Uh, this is from Jester It Up at Jester It Up. This is a Superflex 12-team dynasty startup. So he's got four QBs here. He's got Baker, Tua, Stafford, and Goff. So, and that's a hard one. Um, Bill, why don't you start us off? Or Goff. Goff's on the next page. I didn't say him. I thought I did. Sorry. Oh, did you? Maybe I wasn't listening. My bad. Um, Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, so is, this is that is, why uh, you mention them because you're picking Goff, Bill? <laughs> um, you know, this is actually like when I saw this, I was like, "Huh, I don't even know the answer to this for me." Um, Trade back? <laughs> yeah, like so. This is obviously like what, probably third or fourth round. Yeah, I was thinking third. Yeah. Um. So, like, I would think that pretty much. Baker's the only one I'm comfortable with. Baker, Stafford, and Tua are the ones I'm comfortable with for two years. Um, maybe Gaff, but like, so then I'm like, okay, who after two years? And the only answer for me is Tua. Like, I think he's the one I have to take. Um, but if it's if I'm a content, it's a startup, so I don't know what I am yet, but um. I'm still 
rolling the dice on Tua. I think that a lot of people are down on him right now, and I'm not sure I'm there yet. So, like, I would probably take him. I mean, I love Stafford, and I would be really happy and excited um, if he gets to go to an offense that, you know, with a good coach and good, you know, team around him. But there's just a lot of unknown if you're in a startup at this moment. So, I mean, I'm pretty much down to Baker or Tua, Tua just for safety. Um, and because I'm just not a huge Baker person, I, I just feel like, you know, his ceiling's capped. So I'd rather roll the dice with two, I think. All right, what about you, Jacob? Who do you got here? I feel like Bill's staring at my notes right now. Like, come on, <laughs> man. Uh, I, I'm on the Tua side. I commented on the post that I go with Tua. Uh, it's just – it's one of those things that the offense as a whole, and I am i don't think there's going to be any crazy trade between Dolphins and the Texans. I don't see that happening. So uh, with the picks they have, which is a lot – there's going to be a lot of offensive needs that are addressed, even defensive needs, which helps everybody, honestly. And if you look at his his games that he played, it's like, yeah, he wasn't producing as a top-end guy. He didn't, like, have any crazy weeks, but he still wasn't, like, being awful in, in those games. And we always think about – I think we look too much at, like, how to a sort of finish games instead of looking at actual fantasy points because we're playing fantasy football, not real-life football. And also with Baker, he had that, like, you know, that run. It was, like, week 12 – through week 15 to where he was 18.4 points, 28 points, 30 points, 21 points. Week 16 against the Jets, 8. Week 17 against the Steelers, 16.2. So it's like he wasn't he wasn't going like off the wall crazy all season. He actually had six weeks where he was below 10 fantasy points. So it's not like Baker's this guy who's, who's going crazy. He did play in the playoffs, which helps any dynasty stock right now. And once we get into the percentages, it shows me some like – Decent buys too, but I'll let you you talk first, Josh. Yeah, so this is an interesting one because if this is me, I, I'm probably doing what you guys said in the beginning, and I'm just I'm throwing this pick, you know, out there and saying, please, someone just come up and take this pick so I can I can move out and probably take the last guy out of these four, but I'm not afforded that luxury. So the the crazy thing for me is that I'm probably actually going Stafford. Um, I think he is the most talented of the four. And I just think that he's going to end up going somewhere nice, uh, maybe Indianapolis, maybe San Francisco, maybe, you know, one of those spots. Like I doubt he's going to get traded to the Jets. You know, I don't, I don't think that is going to happen. Um, I think that, I think the Lions are doing Stafford a favor. And I think Stafford is also doing the Lions a favor because the Lions, you know, they offered, uh, Dan Campbell's six-year contract. So this is they're they're looking at a full rebuild here. They're not looking to try to put a couple guys in there and try to go for a Super Bowl. So I think both sides are trying to help each other out. And in that vein, I think they're going to send him somewhere uh, fav- favorable for him. So I think I would go with Stafford actually. But I love your two point, Jacob, because I think another thing, and I think this is why Tua is getting disparaged a little bit is because we saw 
the the QB that went before him and the QB that went after him. And, you know, Joe Burrow was going off until he got hurt. And Justin Herbert pretty much went off all season besides a few games towards the end there. And we're like comparing the three and we're like, oh, look at these two really, really good guys. And then like two was just like bad, which is not true because two was good, just not as good as those two guys for his rookie season. And I think that's where a lot, I believe that's where a lot of the Tua hate comes in where it's like, oh, we saw what Herbert could do and we saw what Joe Burrow could do and Tua didn't do that. So Tua can't be as good as these guys, not realizing like, hey, like those two guys pretty much started the season and played the whole season. You know, Tua sat until week eight. Some of that may have been because of the injury from Alabama. Some of that may have been just to give him some extra time in the playbook and to get acclimated to things. And then they were kind of messing with him a little bit, taking him out at the end of games and all that kind of stuff. So considering all of that, I, I think he did. I think he did all right. And I think, you know, the people who are already given up on Tua and are trying to Josh Rosen him with, you know, a quarterback pick at three, you know, I think it's a little, little excessive, but uh, yeah. So, yeah, one thing that's interesting too, is if you look at the points per game, they're honestly like those four guys are not that crazy different. Like you have Tua with, like you mentioned, he got pulled from games early. So obviously points per game, it's going to be a little bit skewed to lower for him, but he had 13.5. Versus the top guy was Stafford at 16.3, and he even, I think, left a game early too. And then you have Goff with 16 and Baker with 15.5. They're QB 23 to QB 31. Like, they're they're in that ugly QB tier to where it's like they're all relatively the same. Like, it's nothing too crazy different, but at the same time, uh, it's interesting with talking about, like, yeah, if, if Stafford goes to the, Bron- the Colts, I mean, that, that could be a very interesting landing spot. And if he gets maybe a solid, like, two years there, I mean, we saw Rivers sling it around with them this year. Like, it's not crazy. Yeah, so so I, I think that's interesting for me. And I just wanted to ask a kind of an offshoot question from this because I was kind of thinking while you guys were talking. Um, this is obviously – I shouldn't say obviously, but this is probably a QB2 situation. Um, does who you drafted at QB1 change – your mind on who possibly you take out of these four. For example, maybe if you took uh, Watson as your QB one, as opposed to let's say maybe Matt Ryan, you know, does that change your mind on which one of these four QBs you would take? It doesn't for me. I I try to stick pretty clear with who I'd like. And uh, I think it gets more interesting whenever you're talking like potentially running backs and wide receivers with, the potential risk and upside type of argument. But for QBs, it's all relatively the same. So I'm just thinking like Bill was talking about, you know, security as well as potential upside. Yeah. Bill, you on the same wavelength or are you? Uh... I mean, it kind of, it kind of matters to me. Like if I'm building a team where like, let's say I drafted, I don't know. Who's an older quarterback that's doing quite well. Um, Tom Brady. It would have to be Aaron Rodgers. He'd be the only person up that way. Like, I would never draft him in my startup. But, like, or let's say I drafted Justin Herbert, right? And it gets around. Do I want to go with another young quarterback or do I want to go with somebody who I feel at least is definitely going to be there and get me points? 
I may go to Baker in that regard, um, just because I know he's going to get me points, and I think that, um, I think that you know, like Herbert's my upside guy, and I I, that I like that as a one-two punch at quarterback in my super flex leagues. Um, just so I like it, it probably limits my upside a little bit, but at the same time, quarterback is more about consistency and making sure you get those points. So, like I like to. That, that's how I like to build my my roster. But I could also just say, okay, I'm going to still take Tua with the full intention that my next guy is one of those aging vets. That um, So do I take, if I think Ben's going to be back, do I take Ben, you know, or do I take uh, Matt Ryan or something like that? So, cool. yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on which way the wind's blowing that day, honestly. What about old man Brady? If the startup was right now, I wouldn't. You're, you're a little nervous. He may he may say, you know what, I'm good. I mean, if I win, I'm good. <laughs> you're yeah, not Tom Brady though. No, I, I think I think the plant man is is going to play until uh, somebody stops paying him, just because uh, he loves being out there. He loves the spotlight. He loves. All I that's... mean, like you literally just change teams and you go win a Super Bowl and there's the battle between Belichick and him. Like who's the, did one win more because of the other or vice versa? And all of a sudden he just goes one year wins, suck it, I'm out. And like, I mean, that's how I might do it, but I'm probably petty. Um, so it's all depends on his personality. Um, but see, see, I think Tom Brady is more petty than you are though, because you always hear the story about how he still talks to people about the fact that he was drafted 199, 20 years later in the league. It's still something that pisses him off. And I think if he wins the Super Bowl, people are going to go, well, the only reason why he won is because he went to this team that was like loaded with receiving talent. Plus he got his best friend Gronk to come with him. You know, he pulled a B off of whatever crazy reality crazy. show he, he was on. And, you know, and I think that's just going to fuel him to be like, well, I can win two without Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick won't win any without me. Tom, uh, Tom Brady from everything that you hear, you know, and obviously I will never be, close enough to Tom Brady to know him personally. But from everything that you hear, he just seems to be a super competitive guy. And the fact of the matter is he's 43 and he still is just slinging it. Like we saw Drew Brees in that last playoff game and his arm just looked dead. You know, it didn't, he just looked like he didn't have anything left in the tank. And we're watching Tom Brady in the NFC championship game. And it wasn't his best game. He threw three picks, but he still looked good out there. I mean, that that dime he threw to to uh, Scotty Miller at the end of the first half was just like, I mean, there you know, probably twenty eight quarterbacks in the league wish they could throw that pass with that accuracy at their current age. Never mind being forty three. So. I think he goes until he can't go no more. Go ahead, Jacob. I think one thing that is interesting with this discussion is Bucks won the Super Bowl. 
potential really, really cheap buy on Tom Brady if you believe he's going to be the guy? Like, Bill, would you spend a late second on Brady in the Superflex League? Would you be pretty For comfortable sure. with that? Because I yeah. think that, like, that could be what you could do, honestly. Like, last year I traded two-thirds and got him, yeah. which, yeah, it's just like it's it was pretty sweet. And then it, a bunch of trades later ended up working out even better. But it's just one of those things that I think with this discussion, it's like, yeah, wait on him in the startup potentially for that risk factor, but your leagues make the moves. Try to see if anybody's just getting a little nervous because they're thinking, oh, Philip Rivers retired. Uh, Drew Brees is probably going to retire. What's next? Tom Brady? Oh, gosh, I need to get out now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a proponent of buying or adding uh, Brady to your teams uh, before this season because there, there would be a chance of him playing for two years. And I'm a little less convinced of that just because of the situation now. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he is probably the most legit older quarterback like where you can feel comfortable. He did look older this year. I mean, he still has, you know, those um, those moments or those games or even, you know, multiple games in a row where he looks pretty good. But there's times where you're just like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> like it's, uh, you know, he looks rough right now. He just can't handle that pressure in the middle at all. And, you know, that's going to get harder and harder and. You know, we'll see. I mean, it'd be fun to see him play another year. Um, I don't know. It's just like I, I like to write that storybook ending. You know what I mean? Yeah, that not not too many guys actually get it. I mean, I know Elway did, but uh, there, there's not a lot of guys that uh, get uh, get to go out on top. And and I think another aspect that we kind of saw it this year, where obviously he brought Gronk back, he got AB over there, but I think guys are going to want to go there to play with him and to, you know, chase a ring, you know, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard the story. He called his mom and was crying because, you know, Jacksonville, you know, his time in Jacksonville didn't go well. And, you know, he, he was kind of discouraged once they cut him and then, you know, the bucks pick him up and now he's playing in the Super Bowl. So, uh, but we, uh, okay. Okay. We got something here from, uh, from our man to drink. Does that get Godwin A.B. Gronk to come back if Brady says he's coming back? I mean, I think A.B. will take money from whoever wants to pay him. Uh, Gronk is under contract, so if Brady's there, Gronk will be there. Godwin's going to be the interesting one because that's going to be a, you know, that's going to be a team decision since he's a free agent. You know, do they want to franchise him or give him something long term? You know, does Godwin take a discount? I don't think players take discounts anymore. I mean, Brady does, you know, and Brady never really took discounts. If you kind of look at the way they just kind of shifted his money onto later years and just kept paying that guy more and more money later in his career. But, you know, Brady's kind of the last of the Mohicans when it comes to, you know, taking team friendly deals. Cause you know, especially if, if Godwin ends up with a ring this year, I mean, he might just say, okay, I got my ring now. Let me just cash checks and, you know, let somebody pay me a whole lot of money. So, uh, but, you know, I, I think even if Godwin leaves, I think there are going to be a lot of guys. I mean, we even saw it before the season, you know, Shady McCoy came, you know, came on down, you know, because Brady was there. And, you know, you're going to get guys that are going to get, you know, cut, especially if this cap goes down. 
think you're going to see a lot of guys out there that would be willing to take a discount if it's between, you know, let's say the Jacksonville Jaguars or, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, they might be willing to take, you know, a million or two less to go play with Tom Brady and try to get a Super Bowl. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I didn't I didn't think that would turn into a Tom Brady discussion, but uh, I'm glad it did. It, uh, we got to we got to talk about uh, the goat for a little bit. So we're going to move on to this next one here from the Dynasty Trades guy at Dynasty Trader 2. Uh, Miles Sanders stock and dynasty up or down. Obviously they hired, uh, Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator from Indianapolis. Uh, Deuce Staley is out of town because he was tired with whatever was going on in Philly. And I believe he was hired by your lions, right, Bill? He was hired as you don't know. Okay. What a, what a fan you are, Bill. Um, I think he got hired by the lions though, as their running backs coach, which, if I'm correct in that, that's a good move by the Lions. Uh, he's he's a good one. Um, so what do you guys think, up or down with all the craziness going on in Philadelphia? I think it depends on where the stock is because some people still have him pretty high. I'm, I'm pretty relatively high on him, even though the running back, like middle running back tier is pretty like, – like it's just a lot of players, honestly. Like it's just a lot of players in that middle like RB1 tier. Uh, for me personally, I'd say stock up. Um, it's just it's it's tough because you know he's banged up, and then he did have that big game in Week 14 with with Hertz. But then again, just one game, he got two touchdowns. So of course, if you get two touchdowns, you're going to do well for fantasy. Like that's that's not crazy. And so people, you know, they want to extrapolate and be like, oh, you know, he had that he had these two games with Hertz, and he did this, this, and this, and he's so awesome, he's going to be great. And it's like, well, guys, let's look at the touchdowns to see where the points are coming from. Like, yes, sessions are part of it and this and that. But a lot of it also depends on, like, wins versus hurts. Uh, it's it's He's an interesting one for sure, but I like him more than, say, like Josh Jacobs with everything he has going on right now and the potential of being suspended for the first couple of weeks. Like, that's a very real thing. And even guys like J.K. Dobbins, like, is he going to get the workload? Does he get the passing work? Not really. So for PPR leaks, do you really want J.K. Dobbins over Miles Sanders? I'm not quite sure. Honestly, so yeah, there's a lot of question marks in that middle RB1 tier, in my opinion. Okay, so if if you thought of him as RB12, Jacob, is his stock up or down? So I think his stock will only go up from RB12. Okay, cool. All right, Bill, uh, stock up or stock down? I think it's up. Um, I just think that there was, you know, the the usage was hard to gauge uh, this year. Um, you know, they. I think that just the fact that like there's something new and unknown that's a positive in this situation. Um, you know, maybe they do use him more. They're not going to use him less, and and the scheme. Was it that effective? I don't necessarily know, but they they really did like going with that three-headed monster almost, it felt like. So I think that just that alone, um, opportunity-wise, I think it can't get worse. So if I have to pick up or down, I got to pick up. Yeah, this is a tough one for me just because I live in the Philly area. So I, I kind of, you know, that's how I knew about the Deuce thing and, you know, 
Um, it, it's tough because I, I read I read a great article on Dynasty Nerds, and unfortunately, I meant to write the the name down, and I didn't. If I remember it, I'll I'll blast it on Twitter because the the guy who wrote the article deserves a lot of a lot of respect. It was a great article. Um, kind of talking about the last three or four years that the uh, the break the fantasy breakdowns of the running backs in Indianapolis and. They all kind of they all kind of did well. Obviously, uh, Marlon Mack, and then this year Jonathan Taylor uh, did well. But then also uh, Naheem Hines was also kind of a, a top thirty six guy. So will that translate to Boston Scott and Philadelphia? You know it could, and you know, um, but there's so much dysfunction in Philly. I mean, there is a large segment of people insiders and just fans that think that Nick Sirianni was one of the biggest reasons why he was hired because he agreed to implement Carson Wentz as a starting quarterback. And if that's true in any sense, that that's not a good thing. Um, you know, Deuce did leave. And I, I think he's one of the better running back coaches in the league. Just, you know, if you read from reporters and stuff like that, they kind of say that too. I think that's going to be a bad one. You know, I think that's going to be bad for him, but um, okay. All right, cool. The, the article was from Joe Warren FF. Thank you, Jacob, for, for throwing that my way. Cause I, I read the whole thing and I mean, I love that kind of stuff. I love the breakdowns. I love the numbers. So um, anytime someone can actually put it on paper for me, I appreciate it. Cause while I love the numbers, I'm not always good at getting to the numbers. So, uh, um, uh, Joe Warren FF, uh, I, I appreciate you cause that was a great article. Um, so yeah, I, but the thing is, I don't want to, after saying all that, I also don't want to say stock down because Miles Sanders is just so damn talented. So it's kind of like, uh, I'm going to say stock even <laughs> because that I, wasn't the question. Fine. Fine. Stock slightly down. Okay. Just due to the dysfunction in Philadelphia, I'll just go opposite. Cause Bill made me pick a side. Um, stock slightly down, but I mean, this is one again, you know, we could talk about the same subject this time next year. And I'll be the first one to say, ah, well, I was wrong. The dysfunction wasn't as big as it was. And, you know, Miles Sanders is a stone cold stud and, um, you know, and I was wrong. And two drink brings up an interesting point. Uh, Philly's O-line was such trash this year. Can't get worse. Right. Regardless of who's under center. And, you know, it's good to point out the offensive line because the offensive line was a mash unit in Philadelphia. So Andre Dillard, who they had slotted in his left tackle, got hurt during the during the preseason. So he uh, was it in Achilles or an ACL? I can't remember, but he didn't play the whole season. So they already started out of the jump without their starting left tackle. Uh, Lane Johnson was hurt for most of the year and then just didn't play in games because he was recovering. So he wasn't at 100% for the majority of the season. So there goes your right tackle. Um, they lost uh, their starting left guard pretty early in this. Actually, I think they lost him in the preseason too. Then they tried to move Jason Peters, who's a left tackle, 38-year-old left tackle, 
to left guard, and that was a dumpster fire. I think the only guy who stayed healthy for all 16 games was Jason Kelsey, their uh, all-pro center. But if you got four guys that are playing the or are not playing the majority of the season, I don't think there are many teams in the league that can survive that kind of attrition. And if those guys are in and healthy, I actually think they have one of the better lines in in the uh, in the NFL. So that's going to depend on health. And obviously, if they are healthy, that could uh, that could turn me around to a stock slightly up for Miles Sanders. So. Uh, there you go. I said slightly down and slightly up in the same conversation, Bill. So beat that. I feel like that's the same thing as your first answer, though. Yeah. No change. No change. Yeah, exactly. I, I went slightly down and then uh, two drink brought up the offensive line. And then I remembered how uh, how terrible they were. Bill left because he's so mad about it. He doesn't want to be a part of this madness anymore. Um. He came back from his slate, uh, from his slate protest there, and uh, is back with us. But uh, yeah, so so yeah, if the offensive line is back. I didn't even think about that. I'll give, I'll give him a, a slate up with you guys after my slate down. So uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's hit this one here. It's from it's just fantasy at it's just fantasy underscore. Who would you rather have in Dynasty, AJ Dillon or Ronald Jones? So it's uh, it's the quads versus the uh, the Never Rojo crowd. So, uh, so Bill, why don't you hit us up with this one first? Is it AJ Dillon or is it Ronald Jones? It's AJ Dillon. I would much rather have him than Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones averaged like 13 points a game i'm not sure they're gonna ever trust him to be like a full-time back um so like i mean there's just so many drop passes this year and it, it was pretty rough so like i just feel better with the potential of dylan coming in and playing that derrick henry role in the offense um you know if aaron jones is gone I don't know. I just I would rather roll the dice that way, and so, like, I think I'd be able to get more on top of that um, if I made a trade. But like, you know, I think it was last year or when we had James on. Um, he was he was on t- the Rojo train, and the argument was like last year he was like a RB, like a, pretty much the same as what he was this year. Yeah, and so like. I mean, if that's what you're looking for and you're okay having him on your team and, you you know, and he's like a, a really bad RB2 or a really good RB3, um, you know, cool. But I'd rather go with the upside of a, you know, potential beast and hope for the best because I can always replace Rojo with somebody else if Dylan doesn't succeed. All right, Jacob, who do you got? So I'm glad we can finally disagree. I'm on Ronald Jones, and I was like one of the bigger anti-Ronald Jones guys going into the season. I was all over Leonard Fournette, and I was wrong. Uh, I'll admit that. I was wrong. I definitely – Ronald Jones to me, like, yes, drop passes and stuff like that. But even like with 13 points per game, that's still RB24. And, yeah, you could argue that 
Is that someone that you really want to be starting week in, week out? Well, if you have two RB starting spots, well, that's a starting running back. And sure, you can find someone like a Miles Gaskin on the waiver wire. But then again, I don't trust A.J. Dillon. He had literally one game over five fantasy points this year. And that game he blew up. Week 16, 124 yards, two touchdowns, 25 uh, fantasy points because he's not going to catch the ball really at all. So also we're talking if it's like half PPR versus PPR, I think this may potentially change that because I give Ronald Jones more of that PPR uh, floor more than A.J. Dillon potentially. And also we don't know if Aaron Jones is going to be coming back or not. It's it's still up in the air on that type of question mark. And then are we sure that A.J. Dillon is going to be given the full workload? And I would rather go with someone like Ronald Jones who I trust his opportunity there more than I trust A.J. Dillon's. All right, so we got one for Ronald Jones. We got one for A.J. Dillon, and now I got to make a decision. Uh, actually, I already had this decision made, and uh, I thought I was going to be going up against both of you by myself, and uh, yeah, it's not a fight I can win, but I was going to try hard anyway. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump I'm gonna jump on with, with Jacob, though, man. Um, and I was a never-road-joer. You guys a, are so wrong. Uh, hey, listen, you know what? Wouldn't we'll be the talk first, next year. <laughs> won't be the first time, won't be the last time. Um, I love how we can argue this and have no clue as to what's going to happen, you know? Well, and I think I think the reason why this argument gets, like, complicated is because we're looking at two guys who are, are kind of similar. Like, we saw A.J. Dillon, and we saw the one game of A.J. Dillon where he just went full. I mean, they were playing the Titans, and he looked like Derrick Henry. I mean, he was just out there. He was mauling people. He was just gathering yards. But that that was kind of the the high of, of A.J. Dillon, the one game, you know. And the issue is, you know, Jacob brought it up. Aaron Jones is a free agent. So was Jamal Williams. So what if it's not Aaron Jones that comes back, but it's Jamal Williams? And you can say, well, Jamal Williams is a, is a guy. And okay, cool. But guess what? Jamal Williams ate into Aaron Jones' share. Like we saw that and Aaron Jones' uh, owners were pissed off about it because they were like, why don't they just let Aaron Jones do his thing without Jamal Williams' interference? And both of those guys might leave and they might sign, you know, a Leonard Fournette. You know, and I I don't think A.J. Dillon is going to be the guy by himself. But I think the same thing can be said for Ronald Jones. I mean, obviously, we've seen it with Leonard Fournette this year. And I don't believe the Bucs, whether Fournette resigns or he leaves and goes somewhere else, I don't think it's just going to be Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn and whatever. You know, I think another guy is going to come in either via the draft or via free agency. But what... I like about Rojo is I've seen Rojo do it and Rojo, you know, Rojo gets crapped on, but Rojo always ends up putting up these like RB two years. And at the end of it, we're like, how did Rojo end up with, you know, at like RB 18, RB 20, RB 24, the guy's not good, but he does it every year. I mean, it's just the way it is. So I'm going to bet on the scene rather than the unseen in this situation. That's all I got. <laughs> One thing I was going to say is this running back free agent class is deep. Like there's a lot of guys. 
And that's even with guys like Kamara signing and things like that. So it, it, it makes it very interesting for both of these players because, yeah, it, it just takes one signing and then the upside goes away. And, and that could be like if that trade now. I, I don't know. AJ Dillon's getting some hype. So I don't know if you could get that much added on with AJ Dillon for Rojo. It's yeah. pretty close. And then again, like, what are you doing? You're probably making more of a lateral move. Is that really what you want to do if you're doing this type of trade? Uh, and then you give a startup. Honestly, the running backs I had before probably decide if I want to push for Rojo or if I want to go for AJ Dillon. Because if I have running backs that are really solid, I'm going for upside. If I have running backs that are a little bit shaky, I'm going for more stability with Ronald Jones. So, yeah. I'm not in the – I guess I don't have the same perspective as you guys. Like, I don't feel like he is – he offers more stability um and you know the point about like you know if williams comes back to green bay you know he i don't think we can ever look at a running back and say he's gonna get 80 percent of the touches so like i i think we just got to look at like what kind of what kind of role and what part can they play and yeah i mean i i get it like i'm I guess I just don't want a running back that I plug in and I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Like at least, or I don't know necessarily what his role is. Whereas like if AJ Dillon hits, we know what his role is. You know what I mean? He's going to be the guy that's getting the touchdowns. He's, he's probably not going to catch a lot of passes, but it's not like uh Rojo necessarily is a prolific pass catcher either. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it, but I, I don't feel like there's any more security in taking him over A.J. Dillon, I guess. I have a question for you, Bill. Do you think A.J. Dillon has that, like, 10-point-per-game floor if we're talking, let's say, like, PPR? Do you feel pretty comfortable with that if he's getting that? I guess it's more depends on the touchdowns, right, with him? I mean, I don't I don't know, right? Like, I, there's definitely more risk in, involved um, but I think that the ceiling is greater. I don't ever. I, do you ever foresee um, Rojo as being the go-to guy? Like, I feel like people want to say yes, and even me. But then again, if you haven't seen it, same with like sort of what Josh and I were talking about with AJ Dillon. Like, we haven't seen him like you know get a huge workload. So it's it's honestly but, like both. There's an explanation for that, right? Like, I mean, he has a beast in front of him and Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah. And Williams isn't like some scrub either. And you're playing on an offense that, you know, these guys already know what their roles and they're, they're professionals and, you know, they're not garbage players. Um, you know, I just felt like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm okay with Rojo on my team. It's not like I'm a, a like, never rojo guy but the more i think about it i'm just worried that there there's not the upside that i'm hoping to get out of a guy um like i could draft carlos hyde and be similar like i mean that's probably a little (laughs) hyperbolic but like you know i mean i could draft somebody later that i feel i could get that same like frank gore you know what i mean like i'm not saying that obviously that bad but or that old but guys later that will get me that lack of a ceiling, I guess. David Johnson. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's kind of the first guy that came to mind. 
waiver wires, there's always guys on the waiver wire too. So I just have a like you know where I feel like AJ Dillon could be the guy, like. And that that's where the the selling point is. And I did look up on the uh, uh, dynasty trade calculator, and it was eight point six to six point eight or something like that. Uh, Rojo, okay. so just under two points, uh, which is probably like a third round pick, um, is my guess. That's yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's pretty much straight up. So yeah, I mean I get it, and it, and you're right. It's truly just how you want your how you look at that position. And like typically, and I learned that this year, like we had a conversation in Superflex City earlier on where uh, we were talking about like which uh, Jags running back you'd like. And this was before the season started. And I'd said I wanted um, Chris Thompson because he was the only guy I felt I knew he had his role. And you know, with uh, Gruden coming in, and he loved Chris Chris Thompson, and, you know, I thought that that would be the utilization. And Swags was like, well, I'll take, uh, what's his name? James Robinson. James Robinson. Uh, he's like, you know, he's the only guy I, I can see that has the upside to be, like, that go-to running back. And, you know, if he doesn't hit, I just dump him. But that's, like... And that's kind of how I see Dylan, you know, like if he doesn't hit, then you just dump him. But at least there's the chance that he can be like, you know, a guy that you're happy plugging in, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a point where you see A.J. Dillon as the the high ceiling, low floor guy. And we're kind of looking at Rojo as the high floor, low ceiling guy. And it's just... It just depends on what you want on your team. And I think Jacob brought up a good point where it's like, what did you draft before A.J. Dillon? If you have a lot of stability, yeah, hit you up some A.J. Dillon and get that that massive upside on, on your team. And if you maybe drafted, you know, some guys that are high ceiling, low floor, maybe you get a little Rojo stability in case some of those guys are hitting their floor and you need a guy to just pile in some points for you and kind of level your lineup out a little bit. So. Yeah, this was a this was a good one because, um, you know, and and I like I said, I think their situations are very similar. Where like we've kind of seen Green Bay, they're never, you know, it, I think Jamal Williams, and I don't know if he'll resign, but he's a guy that'll always kind of have a role there, and he's always going to get touches, even if it's at the detriment of a beast like Aaron Jones, you know, and, and maybe a possible beast in AJ Dillon. But we also know that that Tampa Bay is not going to just allow Rojo to be the guy by himself with, you know, some secondary running backs helping him out. So, you know, whether it's Leonard Fournette who comes or maybe, maybe Jamal Williams comes to Tampa Bay to, to chase a ring, you know, um, I think that's going to be, that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, Jacob nailed it, man. There's, there's so many running backs out there and, you know, those big, you know, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, they all signed, and that was kind of supposed to be the headline of the class. But, I mean, we still have guys like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and a lot of other, like, high-quality guys that are going to be moving around. And that's going to make startups interesting because you might draft a Josh Jacobs thinking that there's not really anyone else in time 
anyone else in town. And then free agency comes by and, hey, Jamal Williams signed in Vegas. And now it's like, oh, crap, I have this Josh Jacobs and he's not going to be getting his massive workload. So uh, so it'll be uh, interesting in that regard. So that is the that is the end of the show sheet, unless you guys have some more uh, some more knowledge bombs you want to drop on us. I was kind of thinking about that before, um, about like what what we could do to fill a few minutes. And um, so, Jacob, I'm gonna play a quick game with you, and you tell me this is just quarterbacks. Okay. Um, I want you to tell me when you are no longer comfortable with this person, like where you're just so not. Like, are we talking like I don't want them in my starting roster comfortable? Yeah. So let's say we're in a startup, right? And okay. then you're just like, okay, like at, once we get to this point, I I'm not even thinking this position for a while. Cool. So, um, and and play along too, Josh. Sure, I love playing <laughs> a game. All right. So the we'll start at the top. Of course, we have Mahomes. We have. Yeah, I guess I'll take him. Okay. Josh? <laughs> Don't want the guy. Okay. Uh, there's This is the DLF rankings, not the ADP. So okay. uh, Lamar. Yep. Kyler. Yep. Josh. Still two? Yeah. Huh. All right. Continue. Sorry. Yep. Deshaun, Dak, cool. Russ, cool. Cool. Herbert, Burrow. Yep. Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Tua. Yep. Stafford. Yep. Hurts. Oh, really? Really? Yep. Okay, so we'll skip him because you're at least him and Ha in there. Tannehill. Yeah. Yep. Love me some Tannehill. Uh, Goff. Yeah. Yep. Baker. Yep. Yep. Daniel Jones. Nope. I'm waiting. Josh. Oh, God. Um. Yeah. Okay, um, you're him and Han, so we're gonna throw him. Um, uh, Matt Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Cousins. Yep. Yeah. Wentz. Yep. No. Not right now. I'm waiting. Garoppolo. No. No. Derek Carr. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lack. Nah. Okay, and then we're just getting down into the uh, Bridgewater. Nah. No. I, okay. I think he's going to start the season, but I don't know if he's going to finish it. <laughs> That's right. So we're, we're around 19 with a few hymns and haws. And, you know, but there's probably a couple guys in there that we're not even super comfortable starting, right. um, especially depending on what happens. So. Basically, that's one and a half teams are going to be happy having two quarterbacks on their, uh, you know, on their rosters in a startup. And, you know, there's obviously other upside type things like, you know, Hertz obviously is going to be somebody you take, but are you going to be super stoked about them? So um, this might be the year to push up. I mean, of course, then we got rookies, but again, you're not like we can throw you know, Lawrence and Fields, but are you really going to be comfortable putting them in? I mean, I think 
Lawrence, you will. Fields, I'm not so sure. Um, he's be he's a... going to be so landing landing spot dependent. Yeah. Like if he goes so, if he goes to the Jets, you're probably cool firing him up because he's going to be the guy. But uh, kind of like Jacob said with Teddy Bridgewater, if he ends up going to Carolina, like. Yeah, but it might be eight games or nine games before you see him. So, you know. So this is like where the tiering happens, right? Like when you do a, a startup, you should be set in these positions or even not even positions, just plugging all the, I do it by position, like just setting tiers on like, okay, who are pretty interchangeable for me? And I feel like once you get to that nineteen twenty range, that's like this big drop. Like there's a, like, a big blank line that's showing me that there's nothing uh, for a little while until we get to that next tier. So, um, I mean, we're doing our listener league coming up. So any of our listeners that are playing in that, uh, that's a good way to at least figure out like how to attack different positions and, and that sort of thing. And so, yep. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah. I was wanting to add in that I feel like there's, almost a more in, or not more interesting but a different strategy in that yes you take like a couple QBs early but then the guys like Carr and Cousins they always fall and then yep. guys like Drew Locke and Daniel Jones cuz they're younger end up jumping above them so there's also an opportunity to get guys like Cousins Carr I'd even throw Tom Brady in there too later than you should related to their production and stability and yep. it's it's just super interesting cuz there's one league where drafted Brady late and drafted Carr late and ended up with like four starting QBs because I got Herbert in the start in the rookie draft too. And I was just like, I drafted QBs like really bad, but then I hit on the late QBs because they were just older guys or guys that people didn't love, but their position or their situation is more stable than they actually seem to be. Yep. And, and they might be equally as stable as some of these young guys that we're not sure about. So like, even though we like say, let's say Ben, like before this year, well, we knew we were going to get one more year out of Ben, or we thought we were. Well, how much different is that than I've taken? Now, Derek Carr might be a little different now, but how much, like there was a lot of things. We weren't even sure Carr was going to finish the season before the season started because they took Mariota, and at least there was the the talks of that. So there's a lot of things that change. And I think before this year, people would have argued that there was 26 or 27 like NFL quarterback um, you know, starting players and that were pretty secure. And now all of a sudden we've dropped eight. So it's one of those things that like, it's always fluid. Things are changing. You know, if when a new regime comes in, maybe the whole thing, those quarterbacks don't fit, you know, like we have some of these older guys, their contracts are ending. They're going to be going elsewhere, that sort of thing. Who knows? you know, what happens there. So there's a lot of things like, I think, I think grabbing at least one of those secure guys, you have to, and maybe two, and then just sit for a while. But, um, yeah. So, so Kev here, one of our listeners says he's going QBX. And I think that's going to be, it's going to be really interesting in your startups to see your QBX guys go against your, you know, quote unquote, late round QB guys, you know, guys that are, you know, maybe not looking to grab the first QB until there's, you know, 15 off the board, let's just say, and, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see those strategies bump up against each other in a startup because, uh, 
like you said, Bill, it, I, and I think this is something that's starting to make its way around the community where it's like quarterback isn't what we thought it was even three years ago where we were like, oh, man, you can, you know, you can get quarterbacks everywhere. There's like 25 guys that you'll feel comfortable with. And now we're kind of looking and, you know, we got to 19 with a couple of ends. And obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence will jump into that into that group. But, you know, if let's say Zach Wilson gets drafted to by the Jets, like he's going to jump in there. But is is he really a guy you're going to feel comfortable starting, even if he's the week one guy? You know, so it's it's going to be interesting with the rookies going around because, you know, they're, I think they're going to get artificially bumped up because they're young and they're new and they're on new teams. And we just feel like, oh, they're going to, you know, use these guys forever. And then, you know, we end up kind of with a Sam Darnold situation where, you know, four years later, you know, and, and the Jets may still use them. I'm not saying they're not, but we are a lot less uh, bright about Sam Darnold's outlook than we were, you know, the day he got drafted. So, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, to see what happens in that. And, you know, in our listener league, it's going to be fun to see, you know, which teams decide to go QBX, which teams decide to, you know, uh, Rocky Petrella, uh, co-host of the Dynasty uh, or the Trade Addicts podcast. You know, he is a staunch, uh, you know, I'll grab my my QBs a little bit later and, you know, maybe grab some of the older guys that people don't like and, you know, maybe trade during the season and, and kind of piecemeal it together. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting this year if we're saying there's maybe 19 guys tops, you know, are you going to be able to do that, you know, unless maybe somebody went real QBX and got like QBs in the first three rounds and they have three guys that are kind of, legit and then you know if everyone else has got one guy and sort of a number two <laughs> could be could be interesting to see so good on you bill you got you got us out here thinking sidetracking love it i made that up as, <laughs> as hey, listen, at the last minute so listen if if you are a uh if you've listened to the timeline for a while, you know that most of our best work is done when we just make it up on the fly. So uh, there's no shame in that. So I think that is uh, truly and officially the end. Uh, Jacob, I want to thank you for coming on, man. You are you are one of the uh, one of the smarter guys out there. So I appreciate you coming and uh, lending your your big brain to us. Um, Tell everybody uh, where they can find you, what you're doing, and where you're at. Well, uh, first of all, you're way too kind. Uh, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just <laughs> guessing right most of the time. That's what we'll say. But uh, I'm a writer and Superflex ranker for Dynasty Nerds, host of my own podcast, Snake in the Draft. I'm also in Superflex City with Bill. And, uh, yeah, uh, talk to me on Twitter. Love talking on Twitter. At me. Hop in DMs. Whatever you want to do. Awesome. And I, I am in a league with Jacob. So I know that, uh, let's not talk about that league. Uh, it was, it was really bad. <laughs> Listen, you, you didn't have, you didn't have a good season, but I, you, you were constantly trading and you were constantly making moves to 
build build with the draft picks you have plus add some guys so you turn you turned a bad situation and made it a lot better than it could have been uh because i'm in i'm in a few leagues bill is in like 900 leagues <laughs> and you see guys that you know they they're not doing well and they kind of they don't know what to do or they kind of bail on the team because they're just in a spot where they're like, holy crap, man, this thing sucks. And uh, like, I, I just want to light it on fire. And throughout the season, like I see you make, I mean, I think I made a trade with you where I traded a third round pick for Gio Bernard because I was a contender and then I wasn't a contender. And, you know, but like even moves like that, where it's like, oh, it's Gio Bernard, who the hell cares? But that third round pick can lead you into maybe moving up in the second or moving up in the third and grabbing a guy that you would, you know, Gio Bernard was doing nothing for you as, as a team that wasn't contending. So. Yeah, that's, that's my league that I talk about. Uh, if anybody's listened to me on my podcast where on dynasty nerds, they have like contender rankings and dynasty rankings week three, I was number 14th in both in a 14 team <laughs> league, like straight up 14th in both. And I was like, crap <laughs> dynasty's been slowly going up but yeah it's i like doing rebuilds and trying to figure it out but definitely the startup was literally this last year so i boshed it with some picks and live and learn but yeah it's been fun to build the team up for sure yeah and and that's the thing you know like if if anyone thinks because we do a podcast or we throw some nuggets on twitter or write articles or whatever that we just get it right 100 percent of the time and yeah listen man i I have a couple leagues where, you know, doing the same thing you are, man, trying to get rid of those assets that I can get some picks and some young guys from and just trying to rebuild it up from, you know, the league I I, I told you about where I uh, where I got the offer for, for Drew Locke. I ended up um, actually going on kind of a run a little bit and ending up with the fifth pick, which I was so mad about because I was, you know, I was, you know, actively trying to sell off my good assets for, and it just, I got lucky or unlucky in a couple of weeks. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, I traded Derrick Henry at, for, for some picks and I got the one Oh three out of that. So I have the one Oh three and the one Oh five now. And, you know, I'm going to still be trying to make deals as we get closer to the draft for some of the guys on my roster and see if I can nail some more picks. So, you know, this is what you got to do. You got to hustle, but, uh, uh, Jacob, appreciate it. Make sure you guys uh, fo- follow Jake on uh, on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. Uh, dude is out there. Dude is hustling. Dude is in a million places. And uh, if you somehow haven't found him yet, uh, find him now. So uh, on that note, thank you to everybody in the chat. It was awesome. Two Drink was up in there. We had Lindsey Kennedy up in there. Kevin was up in there. Uh, appreciate it when you guys are active it just makes the whole experience a lot better uh lends us to uh to do a little bit more thinking that maybe we uh, would not have done without you uh obviously you're watching this on youtube make sure you hit subscribe make sure you hit the bell so you know when we go live because uh because you know we have we have great guests like jacob and you know we have uh i have a great co-host and bill and i just show up and talk a little bit so um you know obviously if you're listening to this on podcast form we appreciate you guys too uh make sure you're subscribed make sure you tell all your friends to subscribe and then make sure you rate and review because that gets us out there that gets us in front of more people the podcast directories like that stuff so on that note bill we 
are out of here. Late.